Welcome to How Did This Get Played Premium DLC. Premium DLC. Premium. Premium DLC. Was that Clinton? Yeah, he's back. <laughs> I did not have premium DLC with that it's one. A, it's a, um, a, a premium DLC-tree. <laughs> Sasha, Malia, uh, if you go to bed... <laughs> If you don't go to bed in time, you won't get your premium DLC. <laughs> I, I want the audience to know that I am here for these things. I'm just staring straight ahead. You know, Obama famously putting his daughters to bed all the yeah. time. That's the thing we knew about. And him. promising them premium DLC. That's the thing. <laughs> and that's how they grew up to be so good. We got to build the most beautiful premium <laughs> DLC oh my anyone's God. ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh still no, I'm here. Wor- I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna get some premium. <laughs> Is that a fucking gremlin? What the fuck was that? <laughs> it was a bad Nixon. The bit was a good Nixon. I liked it. <laughs> He doesn't deserve proper parody. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Finally, someone says it. <laughs> hey, maybe appropriate that we're getting political at the top of oh. this episode. Because uh, we're discussing for this, mu- this, uh, this edition of Premium DLC, a game that has some, uh, I, mean, I mean, a good degree of, of historical significance. Yeah, I mean, we're... We're we're talking today about Caper and the Castro, which is, by all known measures, the very first LGBT video game ever released, which was released in 1989 and programmed by C.M. Ralph. And just to give you an idea, what's going on in 1989? Well, I mean, like the Berlin Wall, right? Yeah. Am right. I right? Mm-hmm. And also video games like DuckTales, Super right. Mario Land, Final Fight, Batman, Golden Axe, Mother One. And here mm-hmm. we are on the Macintosh system using the HyperCard protocol, or the HyperCard engine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. The very, very first gay game. Game. And that's G- on the title screen for that's this on game. on the title screen, yeah. G-A-Y-M-E. Uh, you, wait, while, you, while you mentioned the Berlin Wall, uh, real quick, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this premium DLC. <laughs> you want to know what else is happening? You're on the, oh, no, you're going to keep going? You're going to keep going. No, you do yours. Mine wasn't you're gonna, good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just keep digging. I was going to say, you know what else was happening in 1989? What's that, Matt? I what, was Matt? still a sperm. Ah, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Or an egg. I'm not sure which. I was, I guess, a little bit of both. Yeah, who knows? Mother Nature's a mad scientist. (laughs) So So here we are in Pride Month (laughs) on how did this get played. And I was like, 
maybe we should cover a gay game. And then Nick, I think, Nick, maybe it was Apodaca. One of you guys found this game that had been released in 1989. I'd never fucking heard of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's historically relevant. You can play it in an emulator in a browser, although I did try and get it running on my Macintosh Classic 2 and couldn't figure out how to swap the dip, disk image in. Anyway, the point is... This I can I say what I was shocked about with this game? Please. Yeah. The lead is a lesbian. Yeah. It's a lesbian. Yes. You play the role of Tracker McDyke. Great. Heather will handle saying detective. the protagonist's name in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Tracker Tracker McDyke is a lesbian private detective who's trying to find her kidnapped drag queen friend, Tessie LaFemme. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's based on the historically gay San Francisco neighborhood, the Castro. It's a Zork-esque, not Zork, but a uh, point and click adventure. Yes. Mm-hmm. You got no inventory, which was great because every time you die, you don't you start from the beginning, but you can go immediately to the place that you were moments right. earlier. Yes. Um, Puzzle solving, don't like that. And it was released for free as charity wear, uh, and players were asked to donate to um, HIV/AIDS uh, charities back in the day. Um, this was apparently also one of the first games or only games to reference the AIDS pandemic back in the eighties. So this is a this is significant on all fronts, right? And it was and distributed weird. kind of via via BBSs, uh, bulletin board systems, mm-hmm. which is, which mm-hmm. are if you're you know if you're a young person like Matt, you may not have ever had an experience with. I dabbled in BBSs just a shade in the '90s, uh, but it's kind of a precursor to you know kind of a precursor to internet forums, which are kind of precursor to inter- to social media. Um, I that's a that's an okay way I guess to describe it. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it. A lot of this was an initiative, or basically wholly a, a, an initiative, a personal initiative of CM Ralph to make this game on their own. Yeah, there's it's it's wild. There's like old newspaper articles and stuff about the release of this, and like the way that you would get this game <clears throat> from the Washington Blade. Uh, it says Caper's a lot of fun and available free online via modem. <laughs> from Glib, <laughs> the Gay and Lesbian Information Bureau. It's also on sale as a Macintosh shareware disc at meetings of the Pink Triangle Computer Alliance, the new national lesbian and gay computer user group for owners of IBM or Mac computers that's headquartered in Maryland. Like, the yeah. way to get this game was either to, like, modem a specific phone number or go to a meeting and get it, like, handed to you on diskette. Yeah. Like, some kind yes. of, like, contraband and it was original or it was originally a gay game and then it was reprogrammed and repurposed to be a straight game so they could sell it. Right. Yeah, it, it re-released as Murder like- Murder on Main Street, the most generic sounding thing and and basically just like, you know, it 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 was just it was made very uh it was just made very straightforward uh as straight, as opposed to straightforward it was made for straight. It was, I could do it too, guys. I could do it too. I like it. 
Um, I'm Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the all as far as how this game plays, the, you you kind of talked us through it, Heather. You know, uses the hypercard system, which I was looking up other games that were made with the hypercard uh, engine. Uh, you don't know Jack, the 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 first version of you don't know Jack, as well as Mist was a, was a hypercard game. So it was a pretty Holy flexible shit. engine in terms of yeah, just just straightforward. Because basically, what you're dealing with is just decision points, and so it's just a big decision tree. That's that's how this game plays. That's pretty much how Mist plays. And there were other games that this this immediately reminded me of. I don't know if, if either of you ever played Shadowgate, uh, but there were a series of games that were. Uh, they were ported to the NES, Shadowgate, Uninvited, and Deja Vu, and there was a sequel to Deja Vu, and they were all the same sort of thing where it was like a first-person view of an environment, and then you had just various options to interact with the environment that could, uh, in all likelihood, would end in your death, but then you'd remember not to do that your next playthrough. So, uh, and then I looked it up. And although Shadowgate was not developed using HyperCard, it was originally a Mac game. And it, and and if you look at the Mac screenshots, I'll set I'll put one in the chat. Um, it, it like it aesthetically is very very similar to what this game looks like to what Caper and the Castro looks like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I guess a hmm. lot of the aesthetics of. A lot of early Mac games kind of looked the same. Sure. Yeah. A little bit. There's only so much you could there's do. Not, yeah. I, although Prince of Persia doesn't look like this. So, yeah. You you know what, Nick? I'm going to give you this one. I'm going to yes. let you have it. I love it. That's <laughs> all I wanted. That that was honestly one of the things that I loved about, um, because, uh, I mean, I think we all played this game uh, the same way on uh, the Internet Archive, archive.org, uh, in the yes. software section. And... Um, the, one of the things that I loved about it is that it, it doesn't just emulate the game. It emulates the experience of being on that computer, which is not an experience that I've had in a very, very long time. So, like, seeing, like, an old Mac screen was such a... Like, it made my brain feel, like, tingly. Like, it was, like, such mm. an interesting thing to experience again. Mm -hmm. That yes. even starts up with a single beep. Mm -hmm. When you start the emulator, yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to talk about this game because simultaneously it was like I was in a museum with a treasured object. Yes, but also it, as we've established on this show, it's my least favorite type of a video game. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that you do in the game, you have you have a a, a set. Uh, system of interactivity so you have like lock pick lighter magnifying glass binoculars gun you can't use the lock pick on most locks but you can shoot most of them with a gun yeah, in right. order to get inside which as as a human player if i'm seeing a locked door and i use the lock pick on it and it doesn't open the door. I'm like, well, okay, I can't go in there until some event happens later. Yeah. And then finally I got so frustrated that I looked up a, a tutorial and I was like, wait, you shoot the thing? You you have a lock mm -hmm. and you shoot it even though you have a lock pick? Come on. Can I, I mean, because I, these are, uh, I think, 
famously also not one of my favorite types of games. But this one really clicked for me because I think I think before I even tried to use the key or the lock pick, I was like, well, I'm just going to try to shoot this lock. Right. That's, if I have a gun, I'm going to try to shoot it. Uh, and so the, the fact that I had the gun and I like realized I could use the gun for more things like fairly early on in my play, I was like, okay, so like, I think this, it, like I can, I don't know. It just opened my mind to what I was allowed to do more, um, like throughout my play. You can also use the gun co- like a lot. Yeah. Like you can shoot bottles off of the back of a bar. Mm-hmm. You can shoot, like you shoot. A window you shoot open. The tra- yeah, you shoot a window open. Do you shoot the trash can or do you light the trash can on fire? I can't. You can remember. light the trash on fire when you find the trash. Yeah, yeah. it's just a lot of shooting. She- yeah, <laughs> Which- it does say at certain points though. It's like put that away. <laughs> it, it's, the game like, <laughs> scolds you. Like no, no need for violence. That's what it says, and it's uh, it's very very funny. That was also something I really liked about. I mean. Uh, the the interface of the game some of these games i feel like um i don't know like the games that i think do this similar thing and try to be funny don't always hit for me but like there is like some very very funny um exit dialogue um like window uh button like things like there's very funny things in those buttons uh that i like i laughed quite a bit while while playing this game it's got a good sense of humor, and it is like, you know, it is trading in a lot of uh, film noir tropes, but I think it like it like trades in those well. It's like it's like you're you're hitting all the beats that you'd want to see if you're playing through one of these. Again, I already mentioned Deja Vu, but Deja Vu is like a hard boiled detective noir. Like that's what that's what that game is. Um, it reminded me of this a lot in terms of just uh, but with the layer of it's got the um uh, with a layer of, of 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 a more humorous sensibility, I was shocked how well it had aged. Like right. it's it's not. It, I know that it's full of a bunch of references that we don't get that were specific to the neighborhood in the late '80s. But there's a lot of other stuff that just is like, oh yeah, that's still happening. Like for example, there's a moment where you're in the. I think it's the bad guy's office. And up on the wall is honorary membership in the men for a whiter male society. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then in parentheses, uh, your the detective's take is this is enough to make your skin crawl. And I was like, oh, man, that's still happening. That's, <laughs> yeah. Right. There it is. That hasn't changed. <laughs> uh, the villain Dulligan Straight Man, which I felt a little subtweeted, yeah. but all right. sufficiently dragged (laughs) by the way i do want to acknowledge uh the 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 that this game is playable is via andrew borman and the strong museum of play and then adrian shaw uh helped get the game playable and then jason scott at the internet archive got it online and all this info is from lgbtqgamearchive.com uh so it's it it's it was it seems like a real labor of love to get this sort of you know like heather mentioned this this thing from a museum up in a place where people can experience it but uh, i i think it's i think that's awesome that this is just a thing that you can uh, mess around with and I think if you have any interest in it or any any curiosity in this like it's it's worth playing a bit or or watching a playthrough and just sort of a getting a sense of uh you know like, like you guys like you both were saying like how this holds up 
And also, I think it's like putting yourself in the mindset of like this coming out in 1989 is was a daring act. Like this is like this was such a completely different political climate. Yeah. Like the idea that you had to to play this, you had to sort of like get it in secret is like, I mean, for uh, I'm sure for Nick and, and I two like cis straight dudes, a very complicated idea to wrap our brains around. Like, sure. like it, it's uh, that's tough, like uh, it, hard to like really comprehend. There's also just the uh, I don't uh, hmm, how do I make this not about me, but about me? I'll no, just go say for this it. thing, which is that like when you are in the past coming to terms with being queer, there's also the fear that somebody's going to catch you doing a thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, I, I was afraid the first time I, I rent just rented a gay movie from blockbuster, like not like attended a meeting or like wore, wore a pride ring or like any, mm-hmm. like just rented a movie that other humans who weren't queer could have rented. Like it. it yes. I was so fucking scared that like, not that the FBI was going to come to my door, but that like somehow I would get right. in massive trouble. So the idea of like having a computer dialing a place to get the game, like that was probably such an act of courage on the part of the player. Yeah. You right. know, like that, that also is so fucking weird. Not just the publishing, but also the like receiving of the game. And it kind of makes sense that so few copies existed that it took a while for it to be rediscovered. It felt to me like if there was like a, this would be, this would be a game referenced in a LGBT ready player one, like that somebody would, that it would be a clue inside of a puzzle about some other major event because it was so, I mean, like it's, it's just, it's wild that it exists. I mean, there had to be a first one, but it's also wild that it was like so directly like, I'm I'm making a gay game as opposed to like, oh, here's a gay character in The Last of Us, which isn't a gay game. Right. Right. No. Thematically, this is about this is a gay game that uh, that also addresses the AIDS crisis. It's like this is just, you know, this is as uh, as just like uh, as hot button as it gets in this political climate. And speaking of the political climate, I looked this up a uh, Gallup's historical polling on. Um, gay marriage. They didn't even start polling gay marriage until 1996. And in 1996, ni- the first time this was polled, uh, 27% should be legal, 68% should be illegal. So that was the that doesn't the, that doesn't cross over until majority legal until 2012. Like that, like like that's Jesus, how recently yeah. this was normalized. What they did pull in 1989 uh, on Gallup is here's the wording. Do you think homosexual relations between consenting adults should should or should not be legal? Thirty five percent legal, fifty seven percent illegal. So this is a thing that was viewed Jesus. by a lot of people yeah. as like this is a you know, uh, this is a this is a deviant criminal uh, lifestyle choice was the, you know, that was how it was viewed in in this time. It was a completely different era that is maybe if you're a younger listener, you, you might have trouble wrapping your, your minds around. And this is a, this is a, this is Heather. This is the climate you grew up in. 
Yeah, I still think it should be illegal. I mean, come on, guys. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was not expecting that, but I keep I, I keep I keep answering that poll. I'm like, come on, yeah. come on. Well, now that we uh, all have permission to speak freely, just kidding. Oh boy. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no. It it's it is weird how quickly it changed, and and frankly, I think it is. And this is sort of thematically relevant. I think it's the internet. I think specifically Hmm. it was Tumblr that made it okay to be gay so quickly because Hmm. as soon as you put everyone online, like you might be the only gay kid at your school and thus there's no gay club, right? Or there might be four gay kids and none of them know each other is gay. But the moment you give people uh, anonymous spaces to discuss these things and then also to embrace their own identity, then suddenly you have this transformation publicly also. So the fact that this game exists, like you might reference, if you were, I don't know, if you were a, a computer nerd in the early 90s, you might reference Caper and the Castro uh, or even reference the, the straight version. And that, that might be a signal to somebody like, hey, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Like but- computers facilitated social change specifically for gay people. Um, and, and also, I mean, like what Will and Grace and Ellen, those shows were those the shows? Yeah. 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 I feel like Will and Grace put a lot of like, I mean, put gay people into people's homes. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, (laughs) Like, uh, there's the door (laughs) TV. (laughs) Oh man. I wasn't publicly out until what? Two years ago? Yeah. Like my friends all knew, but like I was like, I was still like, oh, if I come out online, there goes my career. And then somebody was like, what career? And I was like, fair point. (laughs) That was rude of me. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) So the development of this game reminded me a little bit of Stardew Valley's development, just in terms of it seemed like CM was facilitated by a very supportive partner uh, who helped them out financially while, while they worked on this. Um, This is, again, from the LGBTQ Game Archive uh, site. Uh, When I first when I saw HyperCard's capability, I thought you could tell a story with this. You could tell an interactive story with this. And so they did over the course of a year with a patient partner bringing them food and supporting them. They worked on the game. I worked on an eight hour a day job in Silicon Valley and we come home and work myself in our studio room, bedroom and work on this game just manically. And that went on for a year. I guess the, the difference is that this is uh, CM was working a day job at the time, but also just like, you know, that that there was this this amount of just like kind of isolation and putting themselves fully into this project that was that was you know a totally a labor of love that ended up resonating with a bunch of people i i i like just in terms of like just history about this game i like in this one news article that i found from 1989 that uh cm ralph has a quote uh Ralph says that only two people have solved the game so far, a 14-year-old right. boy and the reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was uh, that was such a thing cuz the, cuz there are some there are some re- there are some pretty obtuse ciphers that kind of can trip you up if you're trying to play through this and don't have a walkthrough. Um and uh and I think that was such a big thing with 
adventure games with point and click games is that is that oftentimes it was like you were socially disseminating solutions to puzzles or if in a more commercial release it would be like you'd find the hint book and oh that's the only way i can get through this is that i've famously like we've talked about this with leisure suit larry but they sold more copies of the hint book than the game itself because people were pirating the game and then buying the hint book to figure out how to get through it man those were wild times there's weird really were. days like it's it's we i mean uh, i know matt barely has any understanding of time because he's been around for so little of it yeah but i'm still getting it <laughs> <laughs> but Nick and I, I think we're born on the cusp of online, like in terms of like we are forming long term memories while first experiencing chat rooms. And there's it's it cannot be stated enough wh- how g- big the change was. Like, yes, the uh, Internet made everybody. Eff- I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, effectively psychic. Like suddenly you were hearing the thoughts of literally everybody on the planet. And there is definitely a before and after for that process. Like it's, it's crazy. This and we've learned we should, we should not be doing that. We've learned that that's bad for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I look, I, not to get into a broader philosophical conversation on a DLC episode, but I do think that there have been so many significant positive changes because of the internet. For sure. For example, you know, uh, the LGBT transformation culturally, uh, that it is hard to peg the internet as exclusively bad. I think it is chaotic neutral. Like it's really (laughs) just dead center. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't want it in your party, but you know. It makes it makes everything more interesting. <laughs> um, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a this is a I, I, it, it's it's just a fascinating thing to experience, and I I don't know. I mean, like I, I we we talked about maybe doing this as a full episode, as a normal episode, and I think we kind of just all mutually were like, it's it's strange to be like we're gonna review this game because it's more like it it, mm-hmm. it exists and it's Review awesome crew. that it exists <laughs> okay here we go uh my positive thing is it's, it's, i think that they, it's like it's cool that exi- it exists it's cool that archivists have made this available for people to play and experience and um I don't know. It's it's just a it's just a fascinating piece of software. I mean, just it's so it's, it was such a fucking bold stroke to just make this and just say like this is exactly what I want to make, and then for that to find an audience. I don't know. It's and and I, and I I'm, I'm sure this game like you you were talking about this, Heather. I'm sure this game had had a lot of importance to people who experienced it at the time. Yeah, I I, I know we we reached out to. CM Ralph as like potentially to be a guest and they were like they googled our show and were like it sounds like you're gonna make fun of this because <laughs> <laughs> our show is worst and weirdest yeah yes. but I, it, on the off chance that they listen to this episode that I mean that somebody else has a Stitcher premium account and like rips it for them it's really cool and brave and awesome that this happened and what a neat thing to to be able to. I mean, it's also it's just cool to, that it, we can play it. Yes. Yeah. What stuff has been lost, guys? Like we can't even download 
PS Vita games anymore, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> right. We can't, I don't think so. No, definitely. I don't think so. And uh, but even I, I don't know. I I feel like I heard about this game in a documentary. And that's why it was like stuck in my brain when we were trying to figure out like what kind of like, game to do uh, uh, for, for Pride Month. And I can't remember what the documentary is, and it's killing me. And I can't. Mm. And I type it in, and I can't Google it. It's impossible. But um, I like playing this. I also think as a as a game as the type of game that it is. I don't think I've enjoyed a, one of these types of games more than this one. I I felt mm. like a really. Sure. I felt like a genius solving these puzzles. I did <laughs> when I when I lit the that blank paper with the fire, and it revealed the safe code. I was just like, right. you're a you're a king. You're a god. <laughs> You're the best detective that's ever lived. And also, I will say, I died a bunch of times, uh -huh. and every single time that I died, I laughed and laughed because it was truly very, very funny. Yes. Um, it says, like, here's like a, here lies like a worthless bad detective. Hilarious. So yeah. funny. Also, you die like all of the sudden. Like, it's like, there's a glass of wine on the bar. Do you want to drink it? And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, I'd drink a glass of You're dead. Oh, yeah, it's okay. like, it's poison, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get, a, like a, get a grave marker. Like, a, yeah. a, like an elbowing when you die. It's not like, it's not like, and thus you've made a terrible decision, the end. Like, yeah. it's always like, Come why on, would dude. you do that, dummy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's got a it's got a great tone, and and yes, it's a it's a good version of one of these games, just as a game, as a this the sort of sort of classic point and click adventure game. We played Twilight Zone, the game. Oh, uh -huh. this is and way we better. Played this, it's so much better. It's so like, much it's better. So much better. It's so much. And that better. had a development team that had that was commercially <laughs> released. People had and to like pay an money to play IP. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. This is way better. <laughs> Way the fuck back. Isn't there, am I crazy or isn't there a Twilight Zone sting in this game? Did you guys play with the sound on? I was, I Mostly got too no. far. Yeah, I no, I didn't. I swear there's a Twilight Zone sting in the game too. Like you do a thing mm. and like you'll hear like a pop. Do, 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 pop. Like as the sound comes on and off. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Crazy. 10 out of 10. Are we doing that? What are we doing? <laughs> you can give yeah, it a 10 out of 10. Like. Yeah, I, I'm going to give it a... Yeah, 10 I'm out of 10. I'm going to give it a gay out of gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you'll give it that, and I think Nick and I will... Um, yeah, I'll stick with a 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Uh, Caper in the Castro, check it out. Uh, maybe we'll we'll maybe we'll post the link to if people want to play it on our social media. Um, yeah, it's an absolutely. interesting experience. And uh, hey. That'll do it for this episode of Premium DLC. Be, for, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at GetPlayedPod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 6162Play. That is 616-275-2933. Happy Pride. DLC you later. Hey.